for me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on and they're trying to figure out how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the word today and see what God will say specifically to you. Why did Jesus pray for the church? That's a great question. We're going to answer it today on Your Next Step. I'm Pastor Doug McCoy from the church next door. Pastor Doyle Jackson is here. Happy Valentine's Day, Pastor Doyle. Oh, thank you very much. I, uh, I didn't give you anything, but, you know. I didn't get you anything either. <laughs> that's it's okay. appropriate. It's also Ash Wednesday, which is a good day to move close to the Lord by uh, rending your heart, not your garments, as Joel said. Yeah. But uh, what we're going to talk about today is this incredible passage we find in the Gospel of John, where Jesus, we've already established, he he wanted there to be a church, he valued church. Now he prays for the church. Yeah, I some days I think I, I just I want to I how do I say this? I'm having trouble getting out. I I thank God for the prayers mm-hmm. that people have prayed for me in my life. Absolutely. So there's certain people in my life that have prayed for me. You know, I know my parents have and my grandparents, but the fact that Jesus prayed for me. That encourages me because mm-hmm. I know the Father heard his prayers. Yeah. I, I was talking with my cousin recently, and and his parents are gone, my aunt and uncle. But I said, you know, I know your mom and dad prayed for you. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know they did too. I said, so that's kind of cool. Those prayers are still being fulfilled. Well, this one here, Jesus says, I pray that uh, the world would know that God the Father has sent me Jesus. Yeah through the church. Yeah. And that's why you and I are are so busy sharing Christ and that excites me that God prayed for us. I'm excited about it too. I can't imagine much that's better than that. So, we're not going to hesitate any longer. We're going to get right to it. This is Great Hope the Church. In Matthew chapter 16, we have a very powerful uh passage of scripture and I want you to see the context, but I'm going to give it to you quickly, okay? The context is, this is where we get the first reference point of the church. The word church in Greek is ekklesia. It means called out ones. It means that there's something different about us. It means that we are set apart and it's a work of God, okay? That's a super simplified definition there, okay? In Matthew chapter 16, if you look at it, Jesus is having this interaction with some Pharisees and Sadducees. And in the midst of that, he says, guys, you're demanding a sign. You're missing the whole point. And in the midst of that, he looks at the disciples as they walk away from this discussion, and he says, be careful about the yeast of the Pharisees. The disciples miss his point, okay? They're like Doyle. Sometimes I'm reading the Bible. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand what God is saying, and I miss his point. They thought that Jesus was upset with them because they did not bring bread, sandwiches for lunch, Okay. Maybe they're dudes from the 70s and they thought we didn't bring money to buy lunch. But either way, it's about bread, okay? And Jesus is like, no, no. In in Matthew chapter 16, this is what Jesus says to them. I, I didn't turn there when you turned, forgive me. He says, how is it that you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus says, don't let the yeast, what they're they're telling you, become a part of your life. 
Then they understood, verse 12, that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So what was the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? The Pharisees and Sadducees thought that through human effort, you could live a perfect life according to the law. They were teaching that you could solve the sin problem if you would just live according to the law. Yet none of them could live according it. Elsewhere, Jesus corrects them. He says, you guys measure out the amount of dill and spices, and you bring those to God as an offering, yet you don't take care of your father and mother. Which is more important? And see, what he was saying is this, is that, guys, you're missing the point. Honoring your father and mother is important. Bringing 10% of your spices. And please, next week, do not bring 10% of the spices from your spice rack to church. See, Jesus is saying the yeast of the Pharisee is the belief that human effort can solve the problem of the broken nature within us. Okay? Then Jesus takes the disciples on a walk. It tells us in the next verse, 13, that they went to Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is, is at the foot of Mount Hermon. It's this place where they have these carved out niches in the rock where they have worshipped the god Baal and Pan and all these other ancient gods, okay? It's where the water comes out of the bottom of the mountain that is the springs that feed into the Sea of Galilee, not the only spring, but one of the main springs that feeds into the Sea of Galilee that comes out as the Jordan River and goes on down the, the middle of the Rift Valley, okay? Now, what you have to see is when Jesus is having this conversation with the disciples as they're walking up there, he asks them, who do you say that I am? This is the question that you and I have to answer. And they go into this discussion that that, that he's John the Baptist and Elijah and all this. And and Peter makes his most famous statement, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are Jesus. Okay. Now, this is all going on while Jesus is around Caesarea Philippi. Now, what does Caesarea Philippi represent? It, it, it represents religion, pagan religion, a, a, an idea that, that worshiping any other god besides God will get you your answer. I mean, it's, it's, it's in the midst of this. Listen, we have this creep into our culture today, all right? In our culture today, we look at the four major elements and people, they want to act like they're really spiritual because they talk about the sky. They talk about fire and earth and water. See, this is the elemental truths they'll tell you. That's an attempt to appear spiritual. All those things are created things, aren't they? Jesus is standing among them. He's saying, I'm Lord of all this. Why would you worship the water? Why would you worship the sun and the sky and the stars? Why would you worship the mountains? Why would you worship fire? All of those are gifts from God. Do not worship the created. Worship the creator. So Jesus is standing here And he says, who do you say I am? And Peter, when he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Peter is tapping into the truth. I worship the living God that loved me enough to step down into my world, to live with me. And and see, this becomes really powerful, okay? Because Jesus is saying, all right, Pete, you're getting it right. And that's when Jesus says, 
This is what I'm going to build my church on. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And he's standing right there at the gates of hell, right? This place that represented a a man-made idea to solve the problem. Listen, the Jews worshipped a God solution to the problem. But the purpose of God's solution, the law, was to prove to us that we could not do it in our own strength. The problem with the gates of hell is to believe that we can create our own gods that are powerful enough to, to get us through this life. And Jesus is saying neither of those work. The only solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at these words. Look at, look at Jesus' words here. Okay, verse, verse 17. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar-Jonah is just Hebrew. Bar means son and Jonah means Jonah. Son of Jonah. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my ecclesia, my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So what does Jesus teach them in this moment? In the midst of this world where where present spirituality is very clear to them. See, the gospel lives in the midst of a very real world. It it deals with competing ideas and competing philosophies, and it's not afraid to look at that. But at the end of the day, you and I have to admit, which philosophy am I going to follow? Am I going to trust in human effort? And and we got to be honest. They get on the news every day, and they tell us that the answer to our problems is education. We are the most educated society that's ever lived, and we still treat one another without dignity. Human effort and human intelligence are not enough. And see, the the, the Pharisees were trying to say, we can do this. But they were leaving God out of the equation. David was successful because he put God in the equation. He was always replying on a Messiah to come. The Messiah, the Lord, was his deliverer. And see, you and I tap into that root, into that, that testimony. And this is why it's really, really important. Am I saying that education is not important? No, I, I, I think you need to be invested in education and learning. But it needs to be tempered with an understanding of who God is, okay? Education alone is not going to get you where you need to go. What Jesus teaches us is it's not a work of flesh and blood but a heavenly revelation with Jesus, the master builder. That means that you and I, when we look at this, that it's not through flesh and blood that we're going to solve the problem of our broken ungodliness that comes out in us. Remember Jesus, he would teach and he would teach and the crowds would grow. They would show up for the fish and the bread. And then he'd say, you must take up your cross and follow me. And then they would kind of trickle away. It's because you and I can hear the teaching of Jesus, but we have to have a revelation of God that that keeps us in the game. But what's powerful to me about the church here is Jesus prophesies, he predicts, he promises the success of the church. Now, why is that important? Why is that relevant to where you and I right now? Because you and I have been through a season where the church has been pounded. Our culture has been pounded. Back in August, I read a study that said 20% of the churches would close this year. All right? And, and some would look at that and say, well, hold it. This is a problem. You know, Jesus said the church would succeed. That's because I believe that the church is still going to be successful despite the closures of those 
because the church is a people, it's not a building. A friend of mine in real estate said every week they see another church come up for sale in our community because they haven't been able to make their bills for the past year. The people haven't gathered, the people haven't given, and, 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 and that, but listen, that's not, the same is true of restaurants, right? I was scrolling through Craigslist looking for something I, I needed or I thought I needed, and, and, and I saw all this listing of restaurant equipment that's for sale. Folks, we have not even begun to experience the impact of the economic transition we are going through. We need to wake up and lean into life. And what Jesus is saying is, is Jesus said, I've built my church to be the example to the world around me. We have more resources for you at doylejackson.com. We will be right back with more Your Next Step. Pastor Doyle, we have a great free resource we want to share with our friends. It is a copy of your great message, Great Hope, The Cross. This is going to be a PDF digital download. If they go to DoyleJackson.com, give us their email, it'll be sent to them. What is the value of having that message on uh, PDF as well as hearing it through the radio? Well, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, number one, we learn things best when we get to see them, when we get to hear them, and somehow when we get to be kinetically involved with them, we get our hands involved. And and that's what we want our our friends to do, because you're partnering with us. You're listening, and, and we want to give this to you. And then I'm praying that you'll pray this prayer out loud. That's part of this lesson. Uh, we go through in this lesson the, the eight things that Christ provided on the cross. He provided forgiveness. He provided healing. He provided righteousness. I'm not going to give you all eight right now. Right. you got to go right. and get it, because if you begin to pray that aloud over your life, it'll transform the way you think about Jesus and the way you think about yourself, because it transforms us to confess that aloud. We're beginning to engage with what God is is doing when we start to, yep. to it's just like when you hear somebody quote a scripture and yep. you're like, well, I want to look it up. You're engaging even more. This is a chance to engage even more with the cross. So go to DoyleJackson.com, put in your email, you'll get this PDF. We believe it's going to bless your life. Let's continue with your next step. When I was a teenager, a guy in the church said, Hey, Doyle, I need some help in my office. Would you come to work for me? And it was the first time I'd been offered a job outside of the family business. I knew how to work. My dad guaranteed that. And, and I believe that's a number one, uh, not the number one, but it's up there close to number one as parents. You better teach your children how to work. Okay? It's, it's going to be a necessity. The imagination that someone else is going to provide for you for the rest of your life is not reality. And when I went to work for this man, um, at the end of the week, he said, well, you keep working. And he gave me a job. He's part of the church, and it was a great experience. I got to work with a Christian. I got to be a part of church in a different way. I remember the day when he said, hey, Doyle, will you take my car, and will you do this for me? And I I went to do that, and on my way back, I wrecked his car. Yeah. It was a 280Z turbo. 
three months old. He did not fire me. He asked me, are you okay? See, that'll change your life. I've watched the church show up again and again and again. My question is, are you ready to be the church? I'm thankful that man was ready to be the church at that moment in my life. I was prepared for the worst, and I got the best. I've already told you, I've experienced some of the bad of the church. I'm aware of the bad in the church. I'm part of the bad in the church. I'm not perfect. You're part of the bad in the church. But the belief that there is a brokenness in me that has, has to be dealt with, and the only solution for that is the cross of Jesus Christ, is the answer that the church has. And the reason we gather is to open up the Word of God, the mirror, okay? This is why I said the only hope for the church is first the cross, second the Word of God, and then thirdly, the community. Because when you live together and you, and, you, and you do life together, you're iron sharpening iron, and it's all through the lens of what God says about us. And if you want hope in this world, you're going to have to embrace the cross You're going to have to embrace the Word of God regularly and the community of faith, okay? Because it's it's, it's active in the midst of a world, and that's what we're inviting you to. This is part of God's nature. God's dream has always been to redeem humanity. It's always been to redeem humanity. If there's been a, a problematic point in the body of Christ in America in my lifetime, I'm just going to share my opinion on this. You don't have to agree, but I think I'm right. I've lived long enough now and I've watched it. We sold American Christianity on an idea that if you would come forward and say a prayer, you would be a Christian. And I want you to know that's essential, that's important, but that's the first step. The transformed life is what has to take place after that. It's to keep coming and being transformed by the Word of God, the cross of Jesus Christ, and the community. And the church selling people on an idea that you're a Christian now and that you're covered in God's grace and you can do whatever the H you want to is garbage. You cannot, because that old nature says, I get to do whatever I want to, but the cross of Jesus Christ says, no, there is some behavior that is unacceptable. It will not be tolerated because I am a just God. And do not lie about this. You see, that's why you and I need the church. It's not something that we can take lightly. It's not something that we can just take for granted. In Exodus 19, 3 through 5, it says, And Moses went to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, This is what you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice, say obey, and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. So there's, there is an obligation on the part of God's people, isn't there? There's obedience and there's a covenant, and, and that covenant is that God is going to provide the lamb for us. 
But the, what, what you and I want to take away from that is this. Number one, that, that God has direct relationship in order to bring about our deliverance. It's a, it's a personal relation. God says, I am your deliverer. And he says that you are my divine possession. God loves us. God loves humanity. And he pulls them out. And when you think of Egypt, is there any, is there any community that doesn't show the, the strength of man's ingenuity? I mean, look at the Sphinx. Look at the, the pyramids. Look at the temple at Luxor. I mean, these guys built it big in a time way, way, way before you and I had the <laughs> diesel engines we have today. If there's anybody who thought they could do something through human effort, they did. But they tried to do it without God, so they created their own gods. And if you look at it, you can see their gods. Some of them look like cats. Some of them look like dogs. They, they worship the sun. They made all... See what I'm saying? There's a stark contrast between God's way and the way of this world. And God is inviting you to his way. And that's what this... You have to be delivered. And we are through the cross of Jesus Christ. God has always used, viewed his people as inheritance. In, in, in Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9, when the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, say all mankind. That's because God has always cared about all mankind. He set up boundaries for the peoples according to the numbers of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is allotted inheritance. That means that God has always cared about all of humanity. That's why he's given us life. He's given us place to live. But among them, there is a special inheritance. Now, does that mean that, that God has only loved the Jewish people? No. It means that God has loved all humanity, but not all of us are willing to enter into that covenant and that obedience and that relationship. And we look at, we look at the nation of Israel and some people say, well, clearly they disobeyed. And so God rejected them. He sent them off. And then they believe that the church was raised up to replace them. Baloney, malarkey, and several other wrong words. See, God is always, what it proves is this. If God's people reject God and do not live according to his standard, he has no problem with dis disciplining his people. And I believe that God is willing to discipline the church in the same way. But it does not mean the church replaced Israel. Pastor, how do you know that? Because there is a nation on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea today that is called Israel. In our lifetime, God has shown he is faithful to Israel and his covenant. It's connected in, in history. It's connected in geography. It's connected in G DNA. But those people that are Jewish that are coming to faith in large numbers, it's, it's part of that promise, okay? But the church is also part of his promise because God has always wanted to deliver people. But there's something within us, a broken, old, sinful nature that rejects God. And it's only like Peter when the Holy Spirit gives us an awareness. And if God is working in your life right now, if God is bringing an awareness in you that you need to change, thank him, praise him, embrace it. That's the testimony of God. God has a portion of people in this earth. In the gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's, it's when he tells them he's about to go give his life for us, okay? And in the midst of that, he goes into this prayer. He prays for them because he knows they're about to go through a really hard place. But then he prays for you and I, the people that will believe in Christ Jesus in years to come. Listen to what he says here. This is Jesus' prayer. It's John 17. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. 
that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, I, I want the whole world to have a visible testimony of who I am, Jesus. You see, that's what the church is about. It's not about a building. It's about a people who've been called out of this world to be a visible testimony of Jesus. That means that wherever you and I go, we are a sample. We are an example. Now, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? Because we know we're not perfect. But that's because we're being transformed every day. We're being changed every day. We're being renewed. These are the, this is the language of the New Testament about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. It's a continual, ongoing process of the cross being applied to that old nature. So we may confess Jesus as Lord, say, Jesus, come into my life. But the way that it's really worked out is every day when you allow the Lordship of Jesus Christ to transform the decisions you make, the behavior you have, and the people that you associate with, and you live according to Him. Great Hope the Church is the name of this message that you have been listening to, Pastor Doyle Jackson, telling us about all that God has for us in the church. Now, Pastor Doyle, the church can be a building, we use the word that way, but it's also a gathering, it's a meeting, we get together for worship, we are a family. That's right. the, The Bible has all these different words that it uses for us about, you know, being a temple, being a bride, being an army a family, God's workmanship, that's because the church is really important to God. And sometimes we look at it too small. You know, in, in the New Testament, the church started by a river and Lydia's there and she she becomes a believer and welcomes everybody to her house. Today we have buildings. But I don't know, if you've never come to the church next door, in our world, you can be a part of the church digitally. Go to the churchnextdoor.org and you can watch live. We have Three services every weekend, Saturday night at 5 p.m., Sunday morning at 9.20 a.m., and then again at 11 a.m., and you can be a part of that way. But you can come personally to the church here, uh, 5755 Fetter Road, Columbus, Ohio, and just come be a part of it and and see uh, what God's doing. Yeah, it is a little intimidating for some people, but you'll find it's pretty easy to come in get welcomed, get comfortable. We are trying to receive you, not because we're trying to take something from you, but because we believe that God's family is open and welcoming, and we're simply trying to do that. So you can meet Pastor Doyle. You can meet uh, me. We would love to meet you. So think about coming join us at the church next door. Your Next Step with Doyle Jackson is a ministry of the church next door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued. But to help keep us on the air, visit DoyleJackson.com and click Give. That's DoyleJackson.com. You can also send a check to the church next door. Our address is 5755 Fetter Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Again, that's 5755 F-E-D-E-R Road, Columbus, Ohio, 43228. Please put radio in the memo line. Lastly, if you need prayer or have questions, text us at 888-644-4034. That's 
644-4034. I'm Pastor Doug, and Pastor Doyle and I would love to see you next time for your next step.